Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get into the show, we wanted to give you a quick note about ads. So here's the thing. We genuinely, sincerely like all of our sponsors. We are picky about them. Honestly, probably to the point that it's annoying for our ad sales team. We don't and won't partner with products or brands that we wouldn't use ourselves or don't think our audience would benefit from knowing about. Working with advertisers in the way that we do is what allows us to make this show a meaningful part of our lives and hopefully yours too. So when you use the unique links and codes that advertisers provide for us, it has a real impact on our ability to keep doing this. And we are tremendously grateful for it. If you're ever looking for a specific code, head to a thing or two hq.com slash sponsors and you'll find them all. Thank you for supporting us and the brands who support us. It means the most. All right, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two hq. I'm realizing that this episode, Claire, is like filled with divisive topics. I realized it too. So we have an amazing interview with the photographer, Jillian Laub, about this project that she's done, Family Matters, which is, well, we'll tell you more about it. But it's about like politically divisive America and family, basically. That's like the this the most simple setup. Well, and the reason I thought about how the intro and the interview were related is because when she was talking, she used the word progressive. And this intro topic is about, it's about progressive ball field. <laughs> Um, it's about the Cleveland's progressive field where I, what are the, the Cleveland, whatever the Cleveland guardians, Guardians, because they recently had name change, um, which was, I think this is also maybe pegged to their, like, you know, their rebrand. So Um, there was a headline, please tell us. Eater reported on the fact that PETA wants the big hot dog costumes at baseball games to be vegan, but surprise they already are because they're not made of meat and buns. They're also gluten-free, you know, because they're just (laughs) foam. They're not. They're totally gluten-free. I was fucking outraged by this. (laughs) First of all, because like I've just loathe PETA's tactics, period. (laughs) And they're a joke to me. But well, they're just, it feels, it's like very 90s. Like it feels very 90s, but like not in a thing that I want like 90s nostalgia for. Just like straight up 90s. Listen, I am a person for the ethical treatment of animals. Oh my gosh. But I am not for PETA because can you imagine writing a check to an animal rights organization and then their fucking president is like, you know what I'm going to spend my time on today is campaigning for there to be a vegan hot dog in the hot dog races at the baseball games. I was Um, so angry about this. (laughs) So this piece, so this piece includes the line, traditionally there have been three contestants in any game, ketchup, mustard, and relish slash onion. Relish slash onion is, first of all, not great, but fine. Represented by the colored swiggles, but PETA wants the competition to be more inclusive. And so the point that this Eater article makes is that like, these are all toppings. Like these, like none of these are like changing the complete nature. Like it's just, it's like a little, it's a bit complicated. It's like, is this the right direction? 
what is the point of this, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I also, to be more inclusive, like the (laughs) co-opting of this language. And like, listen, like PETA is not the first, nor will they be the last to like abuse the word inclusion and the term like representation matters. But my God, (laughs) like they're really, really pushing it. Okay. I, this representation does not matter. It's plastic or foam or whatever. Claire, it's foam. Be careful. Be careful. It's a petrochemical, but it's (laughs) to me, this is like truly a business or like a, like a, it's a business story. It's why is PETA as a business? And I know they're not a business or nonprofit. Why is this what they're prioritizing? They're so bad at their jobs. And beyond that, also, if they were really good at their jobs, they would be like partnering with Beyond Meat or Nugs or Impossible. And being like, let's do a whole thing. Let's do a PR stunt. Let's do a partnership. That at least is sort of interesting to me. A fake chicken nugget running down the ball field. That I'm like here for. With three hot dogs? Yes. Guess who everybody's rooting for? The fake chicken nugget. That's right. And that is representation that does matter. (laughs) I just was so mad about this. Well, I think the thing that I'm just like continue, I continue to be perplexed by is the like idea of them partnering specifically or like attacking specifically, excuse me, petitioning mm-hmm. specifically the Cleveland Guardians, which has been dubbed one of the most vegan friendly ballparks in the country. <laughs> um, because I would like to call out that the most famous of the racing sausages mm-hmm. are in fact the famous racing sausages who uh, are at the Brewers games in mm. Milwaukee. I need you to click through and look at these sausages, okay. Claire. The famous so racing sausages. a brat chorizo, hot dog, Italian sausage, and Polish sausage. Oh my gosh. Wow. They're all in like full-blown costumes that are somewhat culturally insensitive, it's but like- It's quite shocking to me, actually. Like they, these, the, there's like lederhosen on the uh, Yeah, and Polish chorizo's sausage. wearing a sombrero. Yeah. And it, okay. listen, again, feels a bit 90s, like because that's when yeah. these things were uh-huh. born. What is really interesting to me is that this started in the early 90s and the original three were the bratwurst, the Polish sausage, and the Italian. The mm-hmm. hot dog was actually a latecomer. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. And then the chorizo joined in 2007. So I also just feel like- So this it, was actually an attempt to be inclusive. Like they've actually been thinking about this. <laughs> That's, this is, this is what I'm saying. Like okay. they are open to the evolution of encased meat. Petition these people. <laughs> like they might actually be like, you know what, 2021, we are going to do a vegan sausage. And then I have some questions about what the vegan sausage is wearing. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. where, like how are we signifying how do you it's know? a vegan sausage? Right. Exactly. Because like, it tastes I don't know. bad. <laughs> I've had that's, some fine vegan. No, hot that's dogs. true. I've had great vegan chorizo, as we discussed on a previous episode. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Trader yeah. Joe's vegan chorizo, your yeah, wonderful soy product. Rizzo. Yeah. Or the other sports team that they could have reached out to are the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have racing pierogies, which oh, I also how need charming. You to see. These seem extremely vegetarian friendly. They like, really do. Look at these guys and gals. And there is a gal, yeah. jalapeno Hannah. She wears gold hoops and carries a purse. <laughs> to run with a purse, which anyone who's run with a purse knows is not, not, oh a, great, my gosh. not a great vibe. Love um, this. And they, they clever as they are, have done some, um, some like corporate tie-ins here because these are specifically Mrs. T's pierogies, or at least a couple of them are. Yes. This I is think, what I'm talking about here. Yes. Let's get some brand partnerships involved. I mean, I think the famous this. racing sausages are also branded. I think that I, I'm just, I'm not sure. Sh- again, I know that you're enraged about the entire thing and Mm -hmm. I am perplexed by the specific details of the approach. Wow. Okay. I'm glad that you did some further research into this. It's been very illuminating and has not at all changed my stance uh, towards the PETA shenanigans. No, we don't like it on a macro level or a micro level. That's right. We're not into it. (sighs) Um. Yeah, so something speaking, we are into, something we are into, way um, into. We way have into. the photographer Jillian Lobb on the show today. She has this incredible book and show, photography show going up called Family Matters. And a little bit of background on this. So, our friend, a mutual friend, introduced us to this project by sending us a video of a presentation that Jillian had given that sort of like spurred this project. And the project is about Jillian's relationship with her family who are Trump supporters and she is not. And you and I both watched it and just cried and then watched it again. And it's like, what, like a 10 minute video? Yeah. It is 
such a moving portrayal of this really common experience for so many Americans over the last five years of like feeling so shocked and and pained by their loved ones supporting Trump when they do not. And Jillian's way of storytelling around this is just so remarkably powerful. As someone who's not experienced this, I was still just like, I'm constantly moved to tears whenever I'm engaging with this content. Part of this presentation that she gave that sort of spurred this whole project, it, it has audiovisual components. And during it, she plays voicemails from her family members. And when I tell you like the waterworks turned on the minute these voicemails play, they're just so powerful. And they're obviously not part of the book that, that you can check out. So we wanted- Voicemails typically yeah. are not. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yep. we wanted, and Jillian is like very generously allowing us to play some of them because they feel like such important setup and they feel like a way for you to get a little taste of who her family is before she tells us about this project and, and why it was important to her. And after you hear from Jillian, you're going to want to pick up this book, Family Matters, and you're also going to want to check out the show if you're in New York at the International Center of Photography, which is up from September 24th to January 10th. So, you know, a good a good stint, a good yeah. stint. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll bring Jillian on. Thank you so much to Nutrafol for sponsoring today's episode. So we've been working with Nutrafol for a while and it's as if my body knew that I would need to be able to talk about it because I got like a second postpartum hair regrowth moment, you know, in the last like... Wait, that's a thing? No, I don't know where it came from. All I know <laughs> is I have baby hairs again, like long after I had stopped breastfeeding. Like it was just, I, I, you, I was telling you about it and you tried to make me feel better. You were like, that's just hair. And I was like, no, it's just, I have a crown of baby hair, but I was doing my hair this morning and I noticed that I feel like it's starting to get long enough. I could almost pass it off as layers or like, Oh, bang, I love it. Can you do you. a side swept? That's like, like kind of how I felt or like do some like tendrils coming, you know, like a prom tendril. Exactly. Where you like, do you see that? You, you're like, that's kind yeah, of, you could yeah. actually do a prom tendril. I could. And I was like, thank you, Nutrafol for turning my baby hairs into teenage prom hairs. tendrils. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so exactly. what is Nutrafol? Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth by targeting the five root causes of thinning, which are stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. You know, kind of all the things you would guess. It is made of natural, clinically effective, medical-grade botanicals for better hair growth through whole body health, and it's physician formulated to be 100% drug-free. On top of thicker, stronger hair without lasers or chemicals, Nutrafol's ingredients may even help you get a handle on better sleep, stress, skin, nails, and libido, because turns out those things are all affected by kind of the same root cause. When you subscribe, you'll receive monthly deliveries so you'll never miss a dose. 77% of women saw improvements in just 90 days. Even if you aren't experiencing thinning hair, Nutrafol can help you grow thicker, stronger hair. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and using the promo code a thing or two for $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's available to US customers for a limited time. Plus you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code, a thing or two. Thank you so much to Dipsy for sponsoring today's episode. Something that I've been thinking about kind of a lot is the way that we tell stories around sex and the way that people are used to seeing sex sort of portrayed, whether it's like on screen or in books or whatever, and how who the people are who are writing those stories, how the sex is portrayed, and then the sort of like trickle-down effect of how that like gets into people's relationships and, and, and interpersonal interactions in ways that I think don't even seem obvious, but are so real. And it is so exciting to see a company like Dipsy that is thinking about sex and really sort of like progressive modern ways and designing stories specifically for women, specifically for people with every sort of preference imaginable and doing it in a really high quality way. They're producing these short, sexy audio stories designed to turn women on, designed to give women some escapism, designed to help women fall asleep. And they're really good. And by the way, also like definitely appealing for men as well. They're just a really impressive company. We really love what they're doing and we're excited for you to check them out. So each Gypsy Audio Stories features characters that feel like real people in immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there. Listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush, for example, who you never made a move on, or that coworker that you always had a little bit of a thing for. Or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they'd like to do to you. 
they release new content every week. So there's always more to explore, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash a thing or two. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash a thing or two. That's dipsystories.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much for being here. We all basically teared up as soon as you got on the call because <laughs> we're just so obsessed with what with you really and and with this Family Matters project that you're doing. So can you just start a little by telling us a little bit about your family? Oh, wow. Okay. I have a very, very big, colorful New York Jewish family who are fun and vibrant, funny and very, very, very loving. When did you start photographing them and and why? I started photographing my family when I was a student at the International Center of Photography. I never photographed them with the intention of it being a project. It was just kind of like, well, two things. First, my grandparents, I began photographing my grandparents because they were such characters. And on another note, I feel like I've always been innately aware that life is just about change and loss. So I feel that I was photographing them because it was a way of capturing a time and a place and people that I loved. And another reason why I was photographing them was really, I was trying to really navigate my relationship within my own family. Again, it was much more for myself, not as a project. And it's just something I did always. And I never did much with them except when I was commissioned to do when I was when I first started out photographing professionally, I was just really excited to get any job to be hired for what I love to do. Of course. So I started to get different fashion assignment commissions. And I I wasn't interested in photographing models much because I the pictures I was making, they were very narrative driven. So I was like, wait, this is a great excuse to photograph all the people I love to photograph and just dress them in clothes. So that's when I started to use my family as models in certain fashion shoots. And that's, those were the pictures that were first published of my family. You get the sense in like looking at some of those photos in your book that the people in your family like love being dressed, love getting dressed, like like would appreciate that experience of being photographed for a fashion shoot. And like what you were saying about your grandparents, it's like you see pictures of them and they just immediately look like colorful characters. And you're like, oh, I would like to talk to those people. Like I would like to know more. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they had they had a magnetism. My grandparents had a magnetism to them that was just you you just wanted to capture it. You wanted to be around it. You wanted to kind of know it. Tell us about Family Matters, which is that your new your your latest project and you have a book and a show and it's incredible. What is it? So Family Matters spans 20 years. It's photographs that I made of my expanded extended family over the course of 20 years and it really is about how complicated how complicated family is and it's about love and 
It's about aging. You know, you see the cycle of life a few times. There's birth, there's death. And ultimately, I made this book when I was working out some of my own personal issues with my family when they became big Trump supporters. At what point did you realize that it was going to be a project or it was going to be a book and not just pictures for your own collection? So in 2016, when my parents became passionate Trump supporters, I was really having, I thought it was postpartum depression. And Mm -hmm. I think that I was having postpartum depression, but I also think it was a mix of my parents simultaneously really becoming passionate Trump supporters. So working through that and the way I worked through that is through making work. And I realized that the only way that I could process it was to actually make work about it. So I had been in conversation with Pop-Up Magazine and Pop-Up Magazine is basically a night of storytelling, multimedia storytelling. I feel like it's the mix of a TED Talk. I would say it's a TED Talk and the moth on steroids. Mm -hmm. And they had come to me and said, we really would love for you to tell a story. And they said, oh, you know what? We love those pictures of your family that we've seen. Do you have any stories that are going on with your family that you haven't told? Actually, you're catching me at a really bad time. I'm having a really hard time with my family. Um, I just had a baby. Um, I just kind of like laid it all out. You know, they're all Trump supporters and I, I can't even function and talk about my family right now. And they said, actually, can we talk about it? And I realized that this was an opportunity to really work on something that could be cathartic for me. And also so much of it was writing. And for me also, I feel like I'd been hiding behind the photographs for so long. And I've also been very insecure about how I am able to express myself through words, which is why so many photographers, it's like the cliche, like I make pictures, I tell stories with Mm -hmm. pictures because I can't write it. So to me, I thought it was going to be a great challenge. And also I trusted Pop-Up because they're such good, great storytellers. And they said, we're going to like, we're going to work through this. You'll never put anything, you'll never do anything that you are not proud of. Mm-hmm. So it was really um, an opportunity to, and like an assignment to really work through. It was my own therapy. So I told my family I was doing that. And you do pop up what's great is like you travel to different cities. So okay. New York was going to, it was the last city that I performed pop up in. So before I did pop up, I decided I'm not going to have them come to the theater. You know, this is, this is for me. This is something I'm working out. I'm not going to have them come to the theater because, you know, if you weren't there, it never existed. So again, it's a safe place to share material. And then I realized after the first show, it was amazing because so many people came up to me and they're like, oh my goodness, I'm going through the same exact thing with my family. This is so crazy. Like we need support groups for this. And then other people were like, wait, I never thought I could love Trump supporters. I love your family. (laughs) This whole story and like consuming this project makes me tear up so much. But you saying that caused me to tear up again because the photographs and what you write and what you say about them, you love them so much. And it's like so amazing to see how strongly and how pronounced that love comes through in spite of these feelings, which are clearly so painful for you. And it is the most like powerful and authentic portrayal for me of what it means to be family. Yeah. It is so amazing to me what you accomplished through this like very straightforward, you know, just you took pictures of them, right? And you like wrote these very matter of fact descriptions of who they are and what they do and how they feel. And somehow that communicates like the real essence of family in this really powerful way. Thank you. I really, it was so important for me to be, I just kept saying to myself, be as true and authentic as possible. And your love, like they will forgive anything. I was so worried about what they would think, what they, you know, I don't want to disavow my family. Like that's the last thing I'd want to do is disavow my family. But I still want to stay true to the story and the, and the, the truth of it. And 
And the truth is painful. So basically what happened is as I got more comfortable and again, before I was like, oh, I feel like I'm betraying my family doing this. You know, I just, but then when people were starting to say like, oh my goodness, like we love your family. Like this is touching on something that there's so much divisiveness like this. And it really, it was so fulfilling because I also feel like in all of my work, the biggest goal for me, and it's not even a conscious goal. I just, is like, I'm a, I feel like I'm a bridge builder. Like when there's, when there's conflict, when there's something that I don't understand and there's so much miscommunication and miss just a mess, like just a mess, which there's a lot of, I, with all of my work, I want to understand it. Like what is sitting at the heart of the conflict and the problem and how can we better understand each other and other humans? You know, it's, it's about connection and about understanding people and listening. So basically, I just wanted to create something where it didn't turn people off like, oh, those disgusting Trump supporters. It's like, but you don't want to sugarcoat anything. But how do we actually, you know, build empathy and try to understand another person rather than just dismiss them? So that is what I tried to do. And I felt like I actually was like, okay, this, this is, this is getting to people. So the last day I set was in New York and I'm like, okay, I'm going to invite my family. And (laughs) And there are shots of your parents in the audience, like responding and engaging and like looking thrilled to be there. Yes. And like looking so proud of you. Like yes. the glow I mean, on their could... faces of pride is just like... And proud of themselves and of their family. Like, yeah, the pride is, yeah, is real. Yeah. Look, it's what we know is the closest thing to unconditional love, right? Yeah. And and that is really powerful. And, and that's what I felt. And that's what I feel. And, you know, I'm talking to you both the day before I'm giving them the book. Mm. How are you feeling about that? I'm terrified. I'm I'm like, I'm shaking thinking about it, but I do have confidence. I would never put anything out in the world again that I felt that I was, again, disavowing them. The book for me is my truth. And I know that there are going to be things in there that are difficult for them to read. I know that to be true. And I just hope that, I just, I hope that they get the, deep, deep love. And that is really the takeaway. I tried to be as honest as I could without hurting anyone and without, and being true to the art without protecting people. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 How did they respond to the pop-up magazine presentation? They loved, loved, loved pop-up. They thought it was great and they were so relieved. They were nervous when they first went to pop-up. You know, I think that there's so much humor too in it, you know? So I think they thought it was funny and they got it. They accept me. They, they know who I am and what I stand for and what I believe in. And they, you know, love me still. So I hope that they'll see reflected in the book why and understand why I had to make this book and why I'm, you know, putting our lives out there. There's this little snippet from the book that I wanted to to read and ask you about. You say, this book is an exploration of the conflicted feelings I have about where I come from, which includes people I love and treasure, but with whom most recently in a divided America, I have also struggled mightily. It is written with the intention to accept as well as to challenge both them and myself. I loved that and just wanted to hear more from you about what it's made you challenge about yourself and about them, but you know, about yourself. So when I say challenge myself, it's because the first draft of this, the text is, is not what it is now. What it is now, I feel like I did a little bit of a deeper dive into myself. And that was very uncomfortable. Where were the places that you didn't want to go originally that you ended up saying, I need to go for this book to be what it should be? So there's a couple of places that are Dinging that I, there's a couple of lines even that reveal certain shame, you know, embarrassment. I felt like I questioned myself. I had so much doubt, like I'm such a hypocrite. 
how can why I Why did be- you feel like a hypocrite? <sighs> because here I am, my parents would say, you're in a privileged place to criticize us. You know, you've had all the privileges that we've afforded you. And now you just are criticizing us? It's like Steve Zahn in White Lotus. <laughs> so <laughs> not a place show. you want to be personally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I, wow, White Lotus, I, is, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. So brilliant and really resonated with me in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But I just, I felt like I had to look at the role that I played in this. You know, I've been playing both sides. So where am I implicated in this? And I had to just get real with kind of like my inner conflict and my own shame and struggles. And that was the hard You know, some people will maybe think I didn't go deep enough. Some people will be like, you know, my best friend said, why you're so hard on yourself? Why are you like, but, you know, I felt like I did the right thing by being honest. Thank you so much to Modern Fertility for sponsoring today's episode. Before we get into this ad, we just wanted to take a minute to acknowledge how painful the topic of fertility can be for a lot of people and send our love to anyone dealing with infertility or pregnancy loss. And to that point, if you need to skip over this, just hit that fast forward button a couple of times. I've been talking a lot with friends who are are trying to get pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant or, you know, at various stages in that process and experiencing so much of the stress that just inherently comes with this. I'm just feeling like you're so in the dark. And that question of like, how long do you try? And then what do you do from there? And like, what are the next steps? And how do I know if I need to be concerned? And like, do, at what point do I take this beyond my regular, you know, gynecologist to like a specialist or whatever? And do I skip this like fertility step and go straight to IVF? And I don't, there's just like so many things. And I feel like part of the hurdle in trying to, you know, for, for people navigating this and, and trying to figure this out. And as a friend is just, there is just like such a lack of information and nobody feels like they have what they need to make these decisions correctly, which is like part of what's so exciting about modern fertility for us, that it just making this process a little bit less opaque. It's really so wonderful that this exists. Modern fertility is the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with a doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same exact information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two, you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility. You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. So it's not as if you're just like getting these results in a vacuum. There's someone to talk to. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, or if you don't want kids and you just want information on you know this aspect of your health, you want to get the information that's going to help you make the right decisions for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much to ZocDoc for sponsoring today's episode. I feel like this is like a thing for everybody, but I had, there were so many doctor's appointments that I'd been putting off um, and just like so waiting many. to be vaccinated because it was just like, I don't know. I like, I want to get, you know, a skin check and like moles checked or whatever, mm-hmm. but is that like the thing that I need to go to a doctor's office for when I'm feeling like stressed mm-hmm. and anxious about exposure and whatever. But now that I am, I went to a new derm yesterday that I had found on ZocDoc and I also remembered had that like wonderful experience of being like, oh, like basically all my paperwork's filled out for me because oh, all of the like ZocDoc already has my info. They already know yes. who I am. Like that that is such a gift to not have to type in my address and my billing information and my medical history and all of it. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a real treat. <laughs> beautiful, a beautiful thing. ZocDoc just makes healthcare so much easier. So you download the free ZocDoc app at ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two for the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. They really make it so easy. You can sort by location, you can sort by rating, you can filter by your health insurance. 
I cannot imagine doing it any other way, to be honest with you. You search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, book an appointment in person, or they also support video chat. You're never going to wait on hold with a receptionist again and do that thing where they're like, what time works for you? And you're like, next Tuesday morning. And they're like, no, how about two months from now? Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. You can even use ZocDoc to book vaccine appointments in some markets. So please go get vaccinated. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash a thing or two. Well, I think like what you're describing is what is so incredibly complicated about this experience, which like Erica, you said it's basically like it's a trope at this point that the like parents who are Trump supporters and the offspring who are adamantly not right. It's like it's not a universal experience. Not everybody experiences, but it it feels near universal. I encounter people all the time struggling with it. And as you just said, it's not just a difference of political beliefs, but it's how do you extract your own experience and like everything your parents have given you and everything you've been participatory in from your criticisms of, and your like just fundamental belief that they're wrong. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. at the same time, love them and have this like deep, deep reverence for them, which you so clearly do. It feels impossible to reconcile. And I think, you know, it's so compelling, even as someone who hasn't experienced it, but I felt such deep joy that other people who've had this experience now have this artifact that like you, that you, this like incredible gift that you're giving them where like they will be able to have experienced that same catharsis that you experienced and, and relate to you in that way, which I was just like, I'm so happy that this exists for all of these people who also have had this struggle. Yeah, I am. I am too. And that's why I made this book. Honestly, it's like a part of me is like, oh, it feels narcissistic. Like memoirs are narcissistic. So, you know, even though they're the books that I love to read, mm-hmm. I just like, why, why? I kept saying to myself, why? And, and truthfully, I'm like, because there are so many other people experiencing this that I know that this will resonate with. Yes. And, and it's, it's beyond Trump too. It's, it's, yeah just conflict within families, within people you love. And how, how do you resolve that and reconcile that? Because it's so easy to say, you know, well, their parents think totally different than them. They're bad people. And that caused this huge rift in the family. And then when you look at the pictures that you put in this book and you listen to the voicemails that you included in pop-up and that we played there, it's like, you absolutely cannot ignore the deep love and the fact that it's like not so black and white. It's not so simple as like, these are bad people. And I think that like rawness to your photography is what, what makes that so obvious. Yeah. I think that it's really hard to get nuance. You know, no one really cares about, I, I, I feel like in the world that we're living in the social media world, all nuance is lost. It's yes. flattened. Yes. You know, it's, it's either one side or the other. And what it's like very I, dualistic. We like love a black and white. It's just much easier for our little brains to, <laughs> to work it is, with. It is much easier and it's yeah. safer. Yeah. I think that it's not as easy and it's not as safe to kind of really live in the nuance. Well, and photography isn't always nuanced, but there's something about your portraits and your photographs is, is particularly, there's certain ones that stick out in my mind that feel incredibly nuanced. So like, the two that are so unforgettable for me, one I think is of your nephew and is it your, your nephew is in a bedroom with like so much Trump paraphernalia or is it? Oh yes. So interesting that you okay. brought that up in the pop-up. There's the portrait of my nephew in his bedroom. Okay. In the book, he did not want, want that picture. I'm actually glad you brought that up. My sister who sees my nephew every single day in his bedroom when she saw the pop-up and it's just a simple portrait of my nephew in his bedroom. She said, Oh my God, that picture freaked me out. He looks like a white supremacist. Wow. And I, I found that so fascinating because I'm like, 
you see this all the time. This isn't a new but vantage you point. you look at him every day in his bedroom. Like I found that fascinating yeah. because how we see and what we're desensitized by and what we choose to look at and choose to look away from and choose to, it's fascinating. Right. So- well- it's so funny because, yes, that is a, a very obvious, I guess, way to interpret that picture. And it's not wrong. And it's also, I looked at it and saw a teenage boy with this proclivity to like go really hard at paraphernalia and to proclaim <laughs> your loves and to like let that dictate your identity, whether it's a band, a sports team, or in this case, Trump. And that portrait to me was like, right, this is this is how this works, right? You have this teenager and this could be the Dodgers, or it could be Trump. But it, it like you could easily replace it with anything else. And in this case, it's Trump. And like, this is what, this is this very specific moment in time in the United States. I lost a lot of sleep over having to not include, not being, and that's also where I had to respect. I showed everyone the pictures that were being included in the book. And my nephew was really adamant that he did not want his portrait in his bedroom. I was devastated, like truly Mm -hmm. devastated. I thought that that was one of the most powerful pictures that I had ever made, actually. Mm -hmm. And it just spoke volumes to me with, again, this young, for the same reasons that it struck you, this Mm -hmm. young, impressionable boy and just following in kind of like the footsteps of, you know, his parents grandparents. And just what does that mean? And then I wasn't allowed to use the picture or I not allowed. I I wanted to respect his wishes. So that was really, really devastating. It comes through in other ways too, though, like the Thanksgiving table that's decorated with the Trump paraphernalia, like who doesn't see their mother in that? I mean, like, you know, and, and again, no matter what the belief system is. Exactly. Like, it's, either a, it's either like the latest Pinterest thing with a bunch of, you know, it like that. My mother-in-law is not a Trump supporter, but she decorates her, her table with the same amount of gusto around, you know, other things. And so I do think it's seeing those intimate moments that do uh, inspire, you know, as you said, empathy. And, and this like, it forces you to try to relate rather than just make it all black and white. Another moment that was sort of, maybe like paired with the your nephew shot in my mind was maybe it was a cousin who has the Elizabeth Warren, mm-hmm. like Kelly Kapowski style cardboard cutout in her room and um, is like super progressive. And again, it's like, it could be the Dodgers or it could be AOC. And the caption from her where you've talked about just how empathic she is and the way that she says, everyone has a right to their own opinion. Um, I was amazed. I'm like, wow, your generation is the generation that's going to make it right. I was so amazed by her wisdom and her empathy. And I felt like it checked me, you know, I'm like, yeah, I need to be more like Violet. And she could not be more progressive. I mean, Mm -hmm. she'll for sure. This is a kid who marches and like shows up and does the things. She'll be a politician one day for sure. She's going to be a leader. There's no doubt. Fascinating. In sharing this work and in having conversations with other people who are dealing with similar things with their families, what have you learned? And is there anything that you've been able to apply to your own relationships? So I think I've learned, and I think that I get there at the end of the book where I think it was so, there were so many years of just like, I filled with like deep anxiety and like toxicity. Like that's not a place I want to live ever. Like that's, there's no growth there. Right. So I feel like this book really making it, I felt like, oh my goodness, I got out all of my angst and not that everything, I mean, look, there's plenty of problems. You know, I said like the world still feels broken in so many ways, but for me, it just, you can't live in that place of, of anger and toxicity. Like it's just not good for anyone. So I really do think that I I wanted to look at my family with empathy and forgiveness and hope that they do the same for me. They thought I was pretty intolerable the past five years. I mean, they were just equally as disgusted and annoyed by me as I was by them. 
so, you know, it was also interesting. I had a friend who we had like our secret, um, kind of, uh, support group because everyone was kind of embarrassed in their own way that their parents were, you know, serious Trump supporters. So one of my friends who I would always commiserate with, um, her father, again, same, the same type of passion and loyalty to Trump, just like blind passion and loyalty. And she was, she wouldn't talk to them at all. She completely cut off all ties. And then he ended up in the hospital mm. and she came back from visiting him in tears. And she's like, I am so ashamed of myself. How the hell could I let this disgusting man, Trump, get yeah. in the way of my father could be dying and I'm not talking to him because of this? Like, I'm so disgusted. Like I, she said, I acted like a child. She's like, don't do it. Do not do this with your family. It's not worth it. So it just like, that kind of stuck with me. So look, we all have our dark moments and there's definitely Mm -hmm. dark moments that we slip back into. But I think in the end, I really think it's about where do we, where can we live? Like there's no more civil discourse. So like, can we have that again? Can we be respectful of other people's opinions? We need to. It's so interesting the way she phrased it of like, she like, she'd let Trump do that, right? It's not that like her dad did that, but she like yes. gives Trump this other terrible evil win that he would estrange her from her family. Did you ever think that you might be able to change their minds? I knew, I really, really thought my mom. So my mom was, was a, was the hardest for me. Um, because she's a woman, <laughs> you know, the, the, the women for Trump, I just, so I thought that there was a possibility, but very, very soon after it was clear that there was just no, I, it was a, an uphill battle. It's like, so thankfully her best friend who loves her, you know, Bonnie, who's in the book, she would also be my support system. <laughs> and she's really the closest thing to a blood relative. And thank God we had each other through this. Mm. So you do think that it comes off, like, I'm just asking because my parents, like, I'm like thinking my parents are going to read this tomorrow. Do you, do you predict that my parents, like it was done with love? Do you? Oh my God. So much love. Like, I just think that that's what's so powerful about this whole project is that the love is so impossible to miss. And it like runs through everything. And the love is the reason, like the love is the motivation and the driving force behind this project. If you didn't love them, if they didn't love you so much, there wouldn't be a story there. Um, You wouldn't bother if there wasn't this love, like, you know. And so you guys do have a lot of friends who have the same type of situation. For sure. And have encountered so many acquaintances and just strangers and just, yeah. And, And I think... I haven't been so struck by it until like consuming this project and reading the book because it just always seemed to me as this like impossible situation. Like there's nothing to do and it sounds so painful and awful and I don't, I I have no answers and I have no advice and, and this book just like opened it up and made it multidimensional and made it, it reminded me of like the, this like really important thing, which is just that like family is family and, and unconditional love is unconditional love and the two things can exist. And I made that so plain that like you you and your family can disagree so about this really critical fundamental thing and that feels like the only thing, right? Like how could you possibly? And yet it is so clear that you love each other so much. Like I never understood people who could be married and like, you know, the, the man votes for Trump and the woman doesn't or, or vice versa. And I still struggle with that. But this was this portrait of like the two can exist, like love can exist and disagreement around this thing can exist. I think the Mira Jacob, when, when I read Mira Jacob's book, uh, that really yes. struck such a chord. I bought that book and gifted it to so many people. So good. And that really, I think she was so right on about the, like the nuance. And, and she said in your podcast, like somebody would come up to her and be like, how could you ever, I would never be able to stay, you know, be around be them, around be, them. Like, yeah, be in a room with them. Yeah. And, and I just connected with that so much. Cause she was like, really? Like, 
what? I also just, it, I had been aware of your work. Like as soon as I saw this landed in our inbox, I was like, oh, I recognize this style immediately because you photograph for so many things that I, publications that I read. And, but it really sent me on a deep dive into all your work, which I really encourage our listeners to do. It is such like truly entertaining photography that just like, is just so wonderful. And I also just want to send people to your Instagram to see this post that you put up recently. Most recent, yeah, yeah. That is a behind the scenes of your shoot with the gossip columnist, Cindy Adams. It is the most compelling piece of cinema I have consumed (laughs) all year. And it also like, you are not seen on camera, but your personality comes through so beautifully. It was a really, really interesting day. And I really do feel lucky that I get to enter just so many wild lives. And so do you, you, you have, that's, what's so interesting. Like you get to have all these conversations. It's curiosity. Like I'm just the most nosy, curious person ever. So, well, that was what was so amazing. So just to set the stage, you're in Cindy Adams' apartment to take her portrait and she's basically like yelling at you, yelling at everybody. She's like being so annoyed. She's bossy. just being... <laughs> and if I'm the photographer there, I'm just fucking terrified and silent being like, yeah, yeah, totally. And you're just cracking up the whole time. <laughs> and I was just like, this is part of what makes her such a good photographer is her ability to just laugh so much about this and enjoy the ride. It, it's <laughs> truly, I mean, it's just so much of life is entertaining. And that was really yeah. entertaining. I'm going to watch it again after we hang up because now I'm I wish, thinking about how happy it made me. I, I just wish I had more. I, I wish I had more content. <laughs> so oh good. My God. That's the show. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so, so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us to make this podcast happen, especially our outstanding producer, Brian Peoples. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com. If you love our show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu at, you guessed it, a thing or two HQ.com.